Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Not bad. Busy. I got I got three kids and stuff. <laughs> married. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I have two kids myself, but I'm divorced, so it's a bit more sporadic on my side. I got the sense that was where you were. Yeah. So I wasn't quite sure what, what we were going to talk about today. Um, were you interested in the more the business side of things, the politics side of things, or probably probably the politics side of things? But I but I see where business impinges on politics, especially with like what the, what you're doing. Yeah, so so I think that might be where some of our disconnect has been coming from, because, you know, for the most part, you know, I talk a lot about politics. And I pay attention a lot to politics and, you know, what the politicians are doing for the most part. But, you know, I, I'm not really focused on solutions in politics because, you know, government is a big dumpster fire that I have very little control over. Well, so. I focus I focus on organizations and structures in an attempt to uh, rationalize what I'm looking at. Yeah, that makes sense. The world is the world is very different from the one I grew up in. I'm, I'm having I've been having a hard time coping. Uh, it got a lot worse about 2000, and it's gotten steadily worse ever since. I'm I'm abs I'm absolutely I'm absolutely disgusted with the way things have gone in this country over the last 20 years. And this is the time in which I've chosen to raise a family. Yeah, I hear you there. Um, yeah, so the, the last 20 years, I've been largely, you know, siloed. I've been very focused on on what I've been doing, you know, and I was working in the, the tech industry and the big corporate part of it. Um, so, you know, I was literally working at part of the problem. <laughs> It wasn't until afterwards that I really started to see things like, you know, Trump was an eye opening experience for me. Oh, yes. There's no yeah. doubt about that. The, the first eye opener for me was the 2000 election. Well, there were there were two things going on. It was the, the, the with where the country was going and where I was going. Um, I yeah. was in a I was in a career and I got out of it uh, because I was bothered by a thing called corruption. Yeah. And that's been a constant theme. Yeah, I, was working, yeah, we, I found myself working for a, a, a corporation which was behaving in a corrupt fashion. It, it was the essence of our of our business model. It was yeah. the essence of the business model. That business no longer exists. It was eventually, with great reluctance, uh, closed out by the federal government. Wow. It was a for-profit college. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with, with some of how some of those have gone. They were deriving revenue from the government through the student loan program, but they yeah. were not operating the facilities according to um, applicable standards. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, th yeah. there's been just a large problem in terms of you know uh, colleges and universities increasing. Um, costs just because the money is available as well 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 of understand course. this was this was a private yeah. this was a private institution i had yep. different problems with the university system but i continued to use it i've taught at universities i've taught at community colleges and uh, 
the high point of my career was teaching at a private business college. And the thing that I found was that money moves differently in all those types of organizations, but how things are done, you know, they're done differently. Like I think college, like colleges and universities tend to do things to more of a standard, but, but they are not as results oriented as other types of institutions. So I can see where you're seeing, or I can see where you're seeing waste. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't really think of it as waste. I think of it as greed. So, I mean, we've just, as a society, become very, very short-term profit-driven. And it it has impacted the colleges and universities as well. We've increased increased the pace of production. We've increased the pace of turnover. Uh, We've increased the pace of consumption. Uh, we have yep. increased the pace of, of capital accumulation. Yep. And, and another thing that is accumulated is that we've suffered from an accumulation of privilege. There are, inst- there, are inst- there are institutions and persons who have accumulated so much wealth that it, that it is, simply attuned, is simply akin to power. Right. Yeah. I mean, money is power. You know, there's a lot of different types, but money is a key one. Well, it's eating the it's eating the republic. Yeah, it's eating the republic. It dilutes. You know, they used to worry about investors their shares being diluted by those who are like um, you would have a corporation. You know, it's when they like when they invented watered stock. Ordinary people were having a say in the operation of a company. This is when they created the dividing line between preferred stock and watered stock, common stock. Well, yeah, so that's interesting. They accumulated the power at the center, the power to actually control the organization. But you could still buy a share in the company and derive some profit from it. I believe the same thing has essentially happened to politics. Yeah, it could be. Um, Going going back for a second, though, that, that, um, you know, what you were just saying there really resonated with me. Um, Yes. So... There's, there's, in some cases, there's good reasons for it as well. So, I mean, I was watching some of those decisions from, you know, within the tech industry. You know, I saw Google, you know, they were switching um, to this preferred stock uh, away from voting shares. A big part of it was because of Wall Street greed. Like, they wanted more control over their business as opposed to Washington having it. You know, right. these days, these days I look at it, you know, from the bottom instead, you know, like, you know, what do we want? What do we as people want as opposed to what do the companies or the, you know, uh, Wall Street or the government want? Um, but, yeah, that that is pretty key. I, I think I think that those who have accumulated power and wealth at this time are, are looking at. First off, my definition of a corporation is a pile of money that's capable of defending itself. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, you know, just think of it as an elephant you own that will go out and 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 do what and do what you want it to do. It's yours. You're not interested in the government having a share of what the elephant makes for you. You're not interested in, in people being um, happy particularly with the service the elephant provides that you, you just want them to use your service. See, in other words, they're interested in what we want, but mostly what they wanted to know was like, what would we like with our cheeseburger? The, 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 the ability, the ability to, to sculpt society 
and make decisions about the kind of society we're living in have, have all been monetized. Yes, I agree. And the problem with that is what if you don't have enough money to make your opinion count? And that's that's an increasingly bad problem as, you know, as wealth accumulates in more and more areas, um, you know, wealth, wealth and poverty go hand in hand. You create massive wealth, you're going to create massive poverty as well. Yeah. And it's not that poor people don't complain. It's that the poor people have no way of making their complaint felt unless you see it on the news and then come the riot police. So. Yeah, I mean, we're told that, that that the answer is is elections, but you know, we have two political yeah. parties that you know play the same game. I mean, one of them's definitely gone more extreme than the other. Exactly. But in terms of solutions, I don't expect solutions out of either of them. Well, I don't expect. I, I, as a Democratic voter, I have the expectation that the Democratic Party will do a lot more about the Republican Party than they have previously. I would like them to start there. Yeah, justice is key from my perspective. You know, if 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 doing something about the Republican Party means holding them accountable, then I yeah. I think that's critical. Well, but, but you're right. They they both play by the same rules. They both take money from corporations, and that money finds its way as in as influence, and that influence comes out as policy. Damn what the voters want. Yeah, well, so there's two pieces of it, you know, at least two pieces. You know, the first the first is the, you know, they'll take money from corporations and do what the corporations want. But the second is just, you know, they have the same philosophy. You know, they think about money and power the same way. So, you know, it's not in some cases it may not be so much that they're, you know, bought and paid for, such that they're accepting donations from people who think like them and they do what they were going to do anyway. That's my theory anyway. I think I might have lost you, though. You still there? I think I'm back. Yep, you're back. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to think of where we left off. I'm not quite sure where I lost you. Um, we were. It, it seemed like we were kind of, kind of discussing the uh, monster, the problem the uh, country is facing, from from two different but not conflicting points of view. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I think the last thing I was saying was that in terms of the politicians, you know, in some cases they are taking donations from people who think like them and are implementing the policies they would have done already. Um, because, you know, it's just these, these are the types of people we give power to. And, and, that's, and, then, and that's good. And that's good to be concerned about. And I'm absolutely agreeing with you. I, I, have, I, have a whole, I have a whole other issue on that side. And the problem is civics. It's not, it's not merely... It's not merely uh, the operation of legislation. It is not merely the exercise of office. It's it's the purposes. It's the purposes, but for which you are exercising office, and it's there's a resulting effect you have on the society around you. If if, if I, for example, if uh, in terms of the exercise of power, if I go around the neighborhood 
and I talk to people about recycling, I'm, I'm performing a political task. Um, but to my mind, if someone walks around the neighborhood uh, carrying a gun and starts shooting out people's windows, to me, that is also a, a form of political activity. See, and, and you see very different results. I'm saying to me that that characterizes that characterizes an, an important difference in this country at this time between the left and the right. I, I would agree with you. I'm assuming by left, you mean Democrats, though. I, I mean, everybody on the left. I mean, everybody in the Democratic Party and everybody pointing to the Democratic Party and saying it's not progressive enough. It's not focused on civil civil rights. It's not focused on justice. It's not focused on equity. Everybody to everybody to the everybody to the left of uh, Joe Manchin. Okay, and by left, so I mean left and right get used in different ways. Um, you're, you're talking in terms of like left being individual political, liberty, political, political liberalism, um, uh, equity, an emphasis on civil rights, an emphasis on human rights. Um, it allows for socialism and allows for market regulation because, because I find the right fairly well established around, um, uh, free market, free market thinking, uh, an emphasis, an emphasis on wealth accumulation as a necessary function of, of business, um, the the diminished the diminished importance of people who do not possess wealth the diminished importance of people who do not um, respond to what we would call the home culture of America basically basically white America you know if you if you yeah. don't fit in you are much less welcome on the right and they have a variety of ways in which to make you feel that but if you got money that you're okay. Yeah, I mean, so the, the the right isn't unified, but the, there is definitely strong elements of that. Um, yeah, yeah, they've got they have they have relationships to and with each other. Sure. Yeah, you know the the the, the, the your more conservative churches have a relationship with uh, Republican politicians who have a relationship um, with the corporations. Uh, you have uh, the gun companies. And they've actually got a pretty strong relationship with the United States Senate, and they certainly mm -hmm. have had a giant impact on our judiciary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, one thing that I, I think it's useful to look to look at is um, so uh, all of that is legal fictions, you know. Like what what really exists, it's just people. Yes. And you know, in terms of relationships, yeah. I mean, you can very well have someone who is, you know, a, you know, a church member who is, you know, NRA member, a CEO of a company and running for office, you know, like it, yes. People, you know, it, it's very easy to think about people in terms of like siloing them into buckets, but people don't really go into buckets. They go into multiple buckets. Like, you know, it's more like a labeling than uh than, you know, sorting. That's that's true. But if you wish to, but but if you if you follow the theory of buckets and you look at the voting picture in this country, um, I, I'm going to tell you, I live in a red state. I'm um, to a lot of people. I'm just 
I am just barely socially acceptable because I'm I'm probably a Democrat. In other words, in other words, I don't talk about politics with 95 percent of the people I spend the most time with. Yeah, I can't. They're 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 enthusiastic gun owners. Uh, yeah. people who who hate immigrants, they hate anybody different from them. They assume that anyone poorer than them is obviously sponging off the system. Um, they, well, th- they there's don't... an interesting piece there that comes, I think, from religion. Or um, so George Lakoff talks about, you know, the the strict father morality being the key to conservatism. And one of the one of the pieces of it is very much this idea that um, that correct behavior is rewarded and bad behavior is punished such which that would, if you are not doing be, well it is your yeah. fault which yeah. would which would be fine which would be fine if you know resources resources were equally available opportunity was equally available everyone right. was welcome to try that's that's not and and, and in terms of behavior I, I see a lot of people who are Christians uh, seemingly holding their nose with disapproval and, and yet repeatedly, almost automatically, voting again and again for very vile characters. Yeah. Are you fr- you, I don't know how much you know about Missouri politics, but our former governor, Eric Greitens, Left, left office under a hell of a scandal. He attempted basically to extort silence out of his lover by photographing her while she was blindfolded and naked and offering to expose her relationship with him to her husband. So in order to break the power of that black, blackmail, she went to her husband and said, this is, this is, I've been having an affair with, this gov- with the governor and you know he, he was going to come to destroy our marriage and i'm here to tell you i'm so sorry you know in other words she wanted to defuse the blackmail but it eventually blew up on him and he was he was forced to resign but but yeah. these but i'm just saying this type this type of of individual who's got some extreme character flaws and and very often toxic toxic uh, uh, a toxic way of running his life these people this type of people i find are constantly appearing on the right and they're constantly they're constantly being upheld. Yeah, so I see the same thing on on in the Democratic Party as well at times, but I definitely I, it definitely seems worse on the right to me. But you know, we do have this habit of elevating toxic people as a, as a country. I mean, the the politicians at the federal state in like at the at the federal level, I don't. I don't have too much faith in them. You know, I, I see some positive change growing, like people yes. who are, you know, becoming engaged because they are trying to, you know, make a difference. And yeah. that's a positive thing. But the, the establishment is just so rotten, you know, and that is that is the problem. I do not I do not see a, a, a notion of uh, ethics, a, a definition of criminality, which sits so far beyond the pale that that someone who is sitting in federal office, you know, ought to consider themselves put on notice and expect a visit from the FBI and expect to be 
arrested and expect to be tried for a crime. I'm just saying our, our standard, our standard for federal office has completely collapsed in my view. And yeah, we, we can't, we can't allow, we, we, I've been sitting here for the last four years expecting the government to start to try to clean itself up. And the process has gone so achingly slowly it's astonishing. They're they're just they're just now getting to Steve Bannon, who in any other country's political system would have been a marginalized figure, rather than somebody plugged into the center. Absolutely, they wouldn't. Yeah. There's a European country where he would have been allowed to be the close advisor of of the of the head of the state. There's no right. way. Yeah, I, I, he's an he's an interesting character because, like, you know, he started off at Goldman Sachs. So when, when I talk about like Wall Street culture, he was yes. very much in there. And apparently, mm-hmm. after the um, uh, the mortgage crisis, it really impacted his father. Um, his father lost his home, uh, and so he, you know, essentially tried to turn on everything, and he wants to tear it all down. But yeah. you know, it's it, it, like. He went on to to you know be a VP at Cambridge Analytica and was like yeah. running this propaganda firm for the Mercers mm-hmm. and yes. you know the Breitbart and yeah yep. yeah he's just like he's <laughs> when I talk about fascism in government you know yeah. or not necessarily even in government but like yeah. he, he's the type of person I'm very much talking about yeah he's walking around chewing gum and setting things on fire <laughs> yeah yes. And then, you know, apparently pardoning him isn't itself a corrupt act. Well, it, well, you, well, you see, it's somebody, somebody, one of the articles I read said uh, the thing with the law is the way that we design the law in the country is that one of the ways around it is, is that you read the letter of the law and then you just go commit a crime that doesn't fit the letter of the law. And then they yeah. haven't got you for anything. Yeah, that's, so what, that's what Wall inventing, Street does. So they're constantly inventing new crimes before we can produce legislation to outlaw them. Right. You know, and I hear this argument that, you know, if we didn't want people doing it, then, you know, it should have been illegal or that, you know, these loopholes were intentionally left behind mm-hmm. for people to exploit. But at the yeah. end of the day, you know, if if your moral code is that you're going to do anything that is yeah. not illegal – regardless of how unethical it is, then the only yeah. way to stop you would be to create a police state where everything is dictated as to what we can do. Which, you is, know, one that, of, which is one of the possible end states of the Republic. Yes, I agree. If people won't go to work, if people will not go to work um, if, if peacefully and go do a job, uh, if people will not keep the economy going, if if people say I'm I'm not safe going to work, in other words, if they feel that we need another million cops on the street, if there's if there's no way if there's no way to keep society and orderly enough for business to be conducted normally, then I can understand. Then you would see a police state. The yes. atmosphere of the atmosphere of lawlessness, lawlessness, <clears throat> lawlessness that we see occasionally. If it became a permanent state, then we'd have a police state in response. Right, which is almost what we had in 2020 after the George Floyd protests. Exactly. But the mm-hmm. question but the question remains, 
what kind of society do you want to live in? And I don't see the political system working to come up with a solution which satisfies everyone. All of the solutions that I see, uh, they try, I'm trying to implement, all seem exclusive to me. Class-ridden. Agreed. Toward the interest of established wealth, toward the interest of established political figures. Yeah, yeah, and not necessarily intentionally, although in some cases probably intentionally. But you know, uh, it just in, it's in, in my book. In my book, it's been. I don't. I don't think political forms trend in a direction by themselves. I don't think we're just like, gee, why are we? Why are we falling apart? What's wrong with us? I'm like, well, who's you know? It seems like every time we put a little fire out, somebody starts another fire. I mean, it's not. And it's not a sense of paranoia that I feel. It's just so much as just dis disease all the time. Yeah, like nobody's interested yeah. if I'm ever. Nobody's interested with me as a voter ever being happy with what I see when I pick up my phone, look at the TV, look out the window, go to a school board meeting, go to work. They don't. They don't really care. They don't really care about me. It just seems to me that they want to keep the money moving. That's all I sense. So yeah, the civics, I, I think, yeah. Go ahead. So the civics of that is so the civics of that is where the hell am I? So I spend my my time on the internet trying to meet people who are are, are smarter than me, uh, who've got some handle on the problem and have some idea of how this thing gets right. Yeah, yeah, and that's where, where that's where the economic side comes in for me because you know, like I I after I quit my job in 2018. I spent about a year trying to figure out like what what an economy would look like that had actually had enough room for everyone, and you know right. how would we how would we achieve that? And equity in terms of investment, equity in terms of work performed, equity in terms of uh, the handling of the rules. Yeah, I mean those those sort of things, you know. And what I what I what I came up with was essentially, you know, we should be working for each other more often, you know, less working for wall street, you know, it'd be great if government would come in and do some monopoly busting, but you know, yeah. I, I try not to depend on the government to solve any of this for us. Yeah. So, you know, my focus was how do I use my skills to create something better for us? And, you know, what, what I saw was, you know, reproducing a lot of the global platforms we have now, but for enabling local economies, because, yeah. you know, a local economy that is self-sufficient, now you don't need so much from the federal government. And, you know, it's a lot easier to control things at the local level, especially if you have established community. Well, that's when you start, well, the, the economic, the economic history that you reminded me of there is the development of the of the various European communes uh, during the uh, during the late Middle Ages, um, basically a commune would be a, a city, a city which was self sufficient in terms of providing for itself. It's like they had a manufacturing industry, and that manufacturing industry was able to generate enough wealth that the people who lived there didn't have to be farmers; they could buy food from the countryside. So what happened was that these these types of or <clears throat> these types of places didn't fit in with the medieval model of an economy. So they kind of basically gave these place places a charter. You know, you don't have a lord here. You mm -hmm. don't really have a lord. You're not you're not 
the the person who's going to run your city we're going to call him the lord mayor but he's his job is to keep you all in line but he's not going to be part of the hierarchy but you're going to have an agreement the king's basically going to recognize your independence to run your own affairs you'll pay taxes you'll make laws for yourself because we honestly don't know what the hell else to do with you yeah, we'd like to some days we'd like to burn you down because you let in Jews, you let in foreigners, you let in strangers. But the king makes so much money <laughs> off of you. And one of the things that the cities were able to do was that they were able to create enough wealth that if the king needed money, he could just come for them and they would loan it to him. So early capitalism was useful, useful for the top echelon. So it was allowed to flourish so long as it was licensed. So what you want is a license to create a community of producers. Well, I don't think I need a license. You know, what I, what I want to do is just create some tech platforms so that people can work together. But what you're doing is what your platform is, is that you're creating a thing that would sit essentially beyond the control, beyond the control of the political structure around you. In other words, it wouldn't matter what state you were in. Well, I in think, terms I of think employment, it, would... it might not matter which country you're in, but your platform. But if you make it, if you make it local or regional, that's fine. That's where you know maybe maybe most of the people who work from your platform live in a particular community. That might not be the most efficient way to run it, but it might be a good way of bringing employment to a co- to a community that needs it, and creating something that wasn't there before, which I don't see nearly enough of. Yeah, that, that's that's my goal. I mean, so I moved here to Worcester. Uh, after I figured out my plan, I moved here to Worcester where, you know, they needed jobs. This wasn't a big tech area. You know, and I opened right. up a shop space. I wanted to make a place where people can go to learn about technology, and then that's a base I can hire out of. You know, people who don't have traditional tech backgrounds but, you know, have been learning. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I didn't have a degree myself. I just, you know, I got lucky, got into the industry, worked hard, worked with great people, and, you know, had a lot of opportunity and I want to provide that to other people. So my goal is very community focused, but the, you know, the goal would be that, you know, I, I would create a prepackaged set of tools that other communities can run as well. So, you know, I will be running, you know, things here in Worcester in terms of the technology platform, you know, we're still, you know, politics is still involved, local politics. We're still, you know, obeying local laws and stuff like that. All of that right, is still but relevant. As your organiza- but as your organization grows, if, mm-hmm. if your organization is successful as it grows, number one, there may be people who feel threatened that they cannot control what your organization does. They, they may notice that a, a larger and larger share of the population is a member of your organization. Some of them will perhaps try to cater to you. And mm-hmm. that can present a different set of problems. But the one I would think of most, and I'm thinking about it in terms of where I live, is that there's maybe a few, three or four employers who basically dictate the picture of labor around here. They might, they might object to you starting something here. Yeah. But I mean, if they, if they have an objection to competition and capitalism, like (laughs) they, no, no, no. They like, they like their capitalism. They like their own money, but I'm just saying they have a labor pool they can draw from. Yeah, yeah. I guess my, my point is, is that they're going to have to come up with some sort of argument as to why what I'm doing is wrong, considering that I am just offering a competing platform. 
And that's and then I can see why that would make you uncomfortable because that would bring you that would bring you squarely into the political realm because I have no doubt. I have no doubt that at some point, if if your organization is successful enough, let's say you've got this type of organization created and it's growing in five or six different places, eventually you're going to have one place where they're going to say they're they're going to find they're going to find a reason to oppose you. That could they'll be. Find, they'll they'll find a reason. So I mean, what what I've you, found o- over the past few years as I've become more active online and stuff. Yes. Um, there has been people all along the path who have told me that if I do this thing, that I will be violently opposed, or you I know, opposed. I'm not saying black. everywhere. I don't say. Well, I, I know you talked about your model, and yeah. I think it's I think it's great, and you want to do things the right way, and you want to do it with ethics, and you want to do it with equity. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, I'm just saying, at some point, you need you need to. I'm not saying change. I'm just saying, watch out. I would watch out. Honestly, yeah. yes, yes, sir. I would watch. I would watch out. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. I I just you know. I, I see so many people go through their lives not taking action because something might happen, even though that might is a very, very, you know, minimal thing. So I try not to let that stop me, but I, I don't definitely think, and I, don't, I don't think you should. I'm yeah. just saying personally, personally, I don't like to see bad things happen to good people who are doing more of the sorts of things I would like to see other people doing in the world. Yeah. That just, that well, just, that just darkens my day. <laughs> Well, it, it's a it's a rough process, you know. Like I, I lived in a two million dollar house a few years ago. Now I live in a crappy apartment, and I'm very much in debt. So, like my my biggest problem isn't others. I I I share I share your detachment from from uh, ungodly wealth. I yeah, gave, I gave up. I gave up a good job to get away from corruption, and and I've never been able to find a good one since. Yeah, I hear I you there. I won't. I won't manage people. I won't squeeze people lower than me in the hierarchy. I I won't. Uh, I won't attempt to alter the model of the organization I'm working in. If mm-hmm. the goal of the organization is exploitation, it's just none of that is in me. Yeah, I hear you. I, I manage people, you know, and I'm I'm a pretty good manager. But you know, one my biggest philosophy in terms of management is, you know, my goal is to make sure that the people working for me have the resources they need and they know what they need to do. Right? They're which the ones can, who actually do the work. And, which you, you know, can do. Which you can do inside a larger organization that is is more conventionally is more conventionally capitalist, more conventionally. Mm. But I'm just saying, if you're bringing equity in as a value, if you're bringing it as an equi- equity as a value, that is that is part of an uh, that is part of a long and older tradition. And I really, really wish you luck with it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, I'm afraid I, I gotta I gotta go away for now. I have tasks. Yeah, no worries. It was good talking to you. You too. We can talk again if you want to give me a list of topics. We can. Go through them. Sure. Sounds good. All I right. Will talk I've to you had later. fun. Thank you, yeah. Greg. You too. Have a good night. Thanks. Bye.